Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Chad. This week we cover Scream 2022. There's certain rules to surviving. Believe me, I know. They always come back. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different. You're all in danger. Mom? Where? Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. You said we were going to finish this. Go finish it, Sydney. Previews Thursday at 7 p.m. Get tickets now. Ghostface is back. And so are some of the surviving members. Actually, the only surviving surviving members. members From the previous movies. From the previous four movies that came before. We have uh, Nev Campbell as Sydney. Courtney Cox reprising her role as Gail. And David Arquette as Deputy Dewey. You know what's bullshit is that they killed off Randy in part two. I'm still mad about that. I am also still mad about that. They need to. Just, why couldn't he have lived? They need to bring him back. But coincidentally, that you should say that because they kind of did bring him back with some slight legacy members because these are actually characters in the sequels. We have uh, Marley. Martha, I'm sorry, Randy's sister, Heather Martas, I'm going to kill her name, Martazaro. That's how we're going to pronounce that. Um, (laughs) Who was the actress from The Dollhouse, 90s indie film. It was very popular. And Marley Shelton, who plays Deputy Judy Hicks. I wonder if she's named after Hicks from Aliens. Maybe. Martha Meeks. Did I say that the Randy sister is Martha Meeks? So she's back. So we have some legacy members. But like in all things, you can't just have those members because now we're, you know, Ghostface is now terrorizing the next gen of Woodsboro. Um, And we have leading the pack, Jenny Ortega, who's from uh, Babysitter, Killer Queen. And she was also in season two of You. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, Dylan Minetti from 13 Reasons Why. Jack Quaid. Yes. The son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, who's done a ton of stuff. Um, He's kind of a little bit of everything. He has this movie. uh, He was in the Hunger Games franchise. Yeah, he even does a voice on the new Star Trek animated show. He does the nerdy guy that gets his ass kicked all the time. Yeah, and he's in The Boys as well. And... Then we have some other characters. Oh, the most, actually, the most recognizable young, besides Jenny Ortega on the screen, we have Jasmine Savoy Brown, who's in Yellow Jackets. That's right. Yeah. I remember I remember trying to recognize her, but she looks... She's somewhat, Tessa in Yellow Jackets. Yeah. I'm used to seeing her like uh, with shorter hair and stuff on Yellow Jackets, and it kind of confused me. Yeah. So she's in there, too. And now I'm going to press the spoiler, 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 spoiler. 
So <laughs> should I just wait until there's one cast member that's actually a legacy cast member that does reprise his role? Spoiler alert. I just gave the gender. And that is Skeet Urig is back. Yeah. We'll get into how he's back later on. But he's also back. Uh, the movie's doing really well in the, in the box office. It's a blue uh, Spider-Man out of the number one spot, which is not saying much per se, only because Spider-Man's been in the box office for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and everybody's already seen it. Like, everyone in the country that wanted to see Spider-Man's already seen it. <laughs> and times two for some people. <laughs> to the point the SNL joke this week was Biden telling people to stop going see, to see Spider-Man because it was spreading the COVID so much. Oh, and Roger L. Jackson. Well, yeah, you, you can't. can't I you can't do these if you can't get him back. Yeah, it's when like he, when he dies. That's the end of the screen movies. They're just gonna have to like loop his dialogue over and over again. Wow. <laughs> and you know, you all you always have to play with the characters' names and be cute. Jen Ortega's character, her name is Tara Carpenter, and Deputy uh, Hicks' son, he's Wes Hicks. So you know, they have the little their little tribute. Yeah. Names in there as well. Um, we, like all the other previous movies, uh, which we're just going to connect to the first movie uh, because now we're back in Woodsboro. Uh, like all the other ones, we begin the film with a young woman hanging around in her house and she gets the phone call. Yeah. And it's Jenny Ortega's character, Tara Carpenter. And, you know, it's, there's the play of the knives. There's a lot of things that happen in the movie that are kind of like homages to the first movie. But not so much so where you feel like, oh, this movie has nothing, you know, on its own legs. It's all just BS that we've already seen. Um, and, you know, I what I like about this is that they cutely did both. He went in both ends. He was touching the landline and the cell phone, and he was texting. He was all over the place, go face. He was very, he's very tech savvy. This next one, he's just gonna be FaceTiming people. <laughs> he's just like you have a FaceTime from Ghostface. Ghost FaceTime. Ghost FaceTime. I would actually <laughs> love that. And yes, this should be Ghost FaceTime. That would be freaking amazing. Uh, so, you know, does she survive? Does she not survive? This is a spoiler cast, so guess what? She survives. Yeah, surprisingly. Surprisingly, she survives. That is very true. But the reason why she survives, which we find out, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes into the film. Uh, the film's like two hours. Uh, we find out that she's actually bait. Because there's a character, her sister, that does not live in Woodsboro. She actually left years before. And we need this character to come back. Because she actually is an important character. And really is the reason why everyone is here and why people die. Uh, this character actually, we find out that Billy Loomis, like a teenage boy, was... Throwing his seat around all over the place, and Sydney was not, and we never, it's never said in the movie that he's losing his virginity. No. It's, I remember Sydney actually asking him in the first movie, like, why did you pick me? Like, why were you interested all of a sudden? Because we've been, you know, like we went to school together, and then it was like all of a sudden you came out of the blue and we started dating. 
So I remember her asking him that. So he had been involved with another girl, you know, off screen, uh, of course. And he actually impregnated that girl. So Billy Loomis has a daughter. Yep. And this is where we get to see uh, Skeet Ulrich coming back and a little bit of the uh, kind of like the Dexter scenes where you get the, you know, the dark passenger talking to Dexter. Yes. You get, you know, Skeet Ulrich's character, you know, get Billy talking to, uh, to what's her name, uh, Tara in this one. No, not Tara, the oh, sister. Sorry. Sam. Sam, sorry. Samantha you get him, Carpenter. Getting him talking to Sam on that, and it's like, yeah, he's she's definitely as crazy as Billy. And they use the de-aging, and it looks fantastic. Sometimes the de-aging looks bad. It just doesn't look good. But this actually looked very good. Well, they had that. He was kind of wearing some of the same outfit that he was in the original Scream. So I wonder if they didn't just take some of that footage from the original and just deep fake it or manipulate it a little bit just to use his because it's his voice i think that he stood in and they just like de-aged his face because when we first saw the thing of de-aging was in star wars uh the first one yeah the latest one the rogue one yeah rogue one thank you rogue one with princess leia and that looked terrible yeah, well, they really just bad. like pasted her face over someone else's. Exactly, and that's why that look. That's what I'm saying. When you use that technology, you have to use it correctly. Like obviously, I feel like the person has to be alive to stand in because you know what hasn't changed the person's bone structure. They can get you know skinnier, a little fatter, and we've seen Scary York. Obviously, he's in Riverdale, so and he's been another thing. So he looks pretty. I mean, he's older, obviously, but he looks pretty still intact. So it's not that hard to just like smooth it out, you know? Yeah. Um, he was wearing the same clothes, but it's just literally a white t-shirt that's kind of ripped. I mean, it's not, they didn't do like a full body. It's always from like the torso. And it kind of helps that they're usually only seeing him in like reflections. Mm-hmm. You're seeing him in mirrors or car mirrors or something like that where you're only seeing part of it. Even if it's a little distorted in the mirror, you don't pay too much attention to it because you just assume the distortions because of the mirror. Exactly. Uh, but, and we find out that, you know, in the beginning, when they show Sam's character interact with Jack Quaid's character, Wes, um, in the beginning of the film, she's like popping some pills. We don't find out later on that she's kind of taking like antipsychotics because she sees her dead dad or she has been seeing her dead dad, which is one of the reasons why she that probably kicked in when she found out. That that was her dad because for the first 13 years of her life, she She didn't know. She just thought it was somebody else. Exactly. And she found out, you know, via diary, mom's diary. I feel like don't keep the diary, you know, saying like, oh, I got knocked up and I had a baby upstairs in the attic where anyone could find it. I don't know. I feel like you would burn that. Maybe don't write it down. I don't know. This seems like it's a common thing in all these movies. People write down secret shit in a diary and then just throw it in the attic somewhere. And then years later it gets found. They're like, oh, no, how did you find this out in this shoebox with all the secrets in it that I left in the fucking attic? Like The shoebox has find. secrets. <laughs> yeah. It literally says, do not open on it with a fucking string tied around it. Oh, that'll stop the people from snooping. So we decided to release this on Tuesday as opposed to releasing this on Friday when we initially saw the movie. Because I was debating whether or not, you know, when I was going to release it. Um, Because I had to think. But what, and I'm going to hold my, what I think about the film. What is your favorite part of the film and a part of the film that you disliked? 
I think one of my favorite parts of it is when they, uh, and I wish they would just go ahead and make the actual stab movies because there's, they could just do that at this point. Just give it to somebody low budget and put them on YouTube or something or on Netflix. But I love when they're showing the YouTube channel and they're talking about, uh, the nightmare that was stab eight. And it shows the ghost face, and he's got like the sleeveless robe on. He's got he's got like knives, like samurai swords. He's doing all kinds of moves with them. And they show him with like a special flamethrower gun. You know, and they've talked to the others about how like Stab Six was a time travel movie, and I just want them to go ahead and make these. Just make one movie just called the Stab series, where it's like a fifteen minute thing of each movie would be amazing. So I love that, where they're showing all the crazy shit that happened in Stab 8 that everybody was so mad about. And so that's one of my favorite parts of it. And uh, I like the uh, killer using the modern technology against the people, where he's using their cell phone like to unlock the house and go in. Because everyone always thinks that's such a great thing, to secure your house with your phone, but don't realize that that just means someone else can easily, probably easier than actually picking your lock or smashing your door, just hack your phone and go in. Yeah. Um, that I agree with that. It's yeah. really scary how that was. But see, I was say this is a tech savvy person. Yeah, that's when we're gonna end up with ghost FaceTime sooner or later. Yeah, the tagline for this movie also gave away the movie in a sense because the tagline is it's, it's always, always some, someone you know. Yeah, I kind of wish it had been just a random person instead. Like them, like the whole movie, they're trying to figure out who it is, and it just turns out to be someone they don't know. I don't know. It would have been an interesting twist on it because it's always been someone that they know. And what if it was just a hardcore fan of the Stab movies that was pissed off that they didn't do it right or something? He was coming after them and they're like, but we didn't even make the movies. Yeah, I mean, it is a spoiler cast, but that's exactly who it was. It was a hardcore fan. Jack Quaid's character was the hardcore fan. Yeah, but not a... I don't know. It would have been a little different if it hadn't been... Outside of a friend group. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, just a just, random, not part of the teenage, the teenagers group or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Maybe it was an adult that was just out after him. Make fun of the nerdy guy that lives in the basement that's still, you know, starting to flame war with someone over the Marvel movie or something like that. That would have been kind of interesting because we've all known that guy. The guy that, you know, pushes the glasses up and says, well, actually, Captain America's shield was a mix of adantium and vibranium. And they cut that out in the movie and starts going into a long, you know, like, I asked you what time it was, bro. I didn't ask you about any of that. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but our theory amongst, I'm sure, many other people's theories was that Stu was going to come back. Because we technically never officially saw him get murdered. He got stabbed in some places. But unlike Skeet Yurik's character who got the shot in the head. He got a TV smashed on his face. Eh, but but he, you can have reconstructive surgery or depending on been, how. He could have just, because there was a version of a screenplay in the past for either three or four. I can't remember where he did come back and he was paralyzed like in a chair. Yeah. He'd gotten like a compassionate release from prison, but he was paralyzed in a chair and he had his own cult that he was running. Maybe it's like a glass situation where he's like paralyzed, but he's a mastermind in doing... He got smart while he was in the in the prison. <laughs> and he's a mastermind. He's controlling everything like, you know, via his wheelchair. 
That would have been kind of cool to see. Just do something crazy and off the deep end like that. Yeah, we already number five. Like, let's do something wild. That was the one thing I didn't like about the movie. But by the time Friday the 13th hit part five, they had already killed Jason off permanently. Wink, wink. Replaced him with someone else. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, he was already having a baby. He had a baby. Okay. <laughs> Freddy was just child. like, you know what? I'm just going to Halloween 5 was when we got the cult of Thorn coming out into everything and going crazy. So to me, the fifth one should be the one where you just go completely fucking crazy and just do like, this is where the cult of Sydney pops up and it turns out Sydney's secretly the bad guy all this time or some crazy shit would have been fun. I didn't want Sydney to die because she is the main legacy character. Actually, be, she's right, like number two under Jamie Lee Curtis for Lori for having been alive this long, survived this long. And it's actually, no, Sydney is actually the longest running final girl. You know why? Because it's bullshit. <laughs> Because in the first set of films, Laurie Strode did die. She got thrown off a fucking roof in the Saint Asylum. That's right, because she was in one, two, and then she, she was in H2O. So she's only done four. And, and the Resurrection, in the, the beginning of Resurrection. Yeah, that's what I was counting. Like. Yeah. So, yeah. So she's only done like four, well, in that timeline, and they changed it. So she's done like six, maybe seven Halloween movies all Yeah, but as the original character within the first set of series, not her revival in this new, in the 2018 Halloween Kills. Or the revival in the 1998, when they were like, oh, it's 20 years later, let's wipe everything. Every 20 years, she comes back and wipes everything out and starts all over again. It's her, you just kill her. She's just her fault. With Nev Campbell, she's been playing consistently the same exactly. character. Hasn't changed anything. It's still, you know, still Sydney Prescott. They haven't erased anything from continuity. They haven't gone crazy or done anything like that. Yes, correct. She, so she's the, she's the main final girl because there hasn't been any deviation in her story. Yeah. Just like you said. So she's the main final girl. And now she has a husband and two children. Like that two girls. we never girls. even saw. That we don't need to see because you're not really part of the story. The story's about Sydney. I mean, I mean, the actually the story's not about Sydney, but it's Sydney adjacent. So we don't. Those characters are only going to come into play if they're they're bait, basically. It, you know, that's the only reason why they would come in. I was kind of hoping when they showed her out jogging, she was pushing the stroller. That turned out it was going to be two dogs or two cats in it. Yeah, because you wouldn't think... I was actually like, oh, she had a family. I would have thought that she did it. But I think... And this is where it's going to get psychologically somewhat deep for a horror film. I think that after the trauma of killing the man that she loved, that loved her, that actually wasn't a killer, and all the trust issues that she dealt with from the first movie... Once she killed Jerry O'Connell's character, I feel like she was like, you know what? I can't live. I have she to didn't actually just... kill him, though. She just... She killed him by not undoing him and letting this other motherfucker kill him. So, yeah. yes. It, she's responsible for his death. Even if she'd untidy, he would have still gotten shot, probably. That's neither here or there. She <laughs> she has... She owns response. She has response. She res- feels responsible, I'm sure, for his death. He probably wouldn't have even been in that situation if she would have, you know, you know, take him out of the equation or just whatever. Nevertheless, I, I know that she feels responsible. She told me that she oh, feels responsible. Okay, I forgot that was a phone call you got the other night. Exactly. So she feels responsible for his death. And you know what? You have to make a decision. Are you going to be a closeted freak, you know, like she was like in the next movie where in she's living grid, off she's grid? Living, yeah. 
you know, and she's helping people via hotline and she has a dog and lives on a farm with like fucking massive weapons. Like, are we turning into survival, you know? Is she turning into Jamie Sydney? Lee Curtis from, part, from Halloween uh, 2018? Exactly. After she came back out and then found the whole BS about the stupid storyline about the brother that's sad, Ugh. whatever. Let's not talk about that. But that all that, whatever. I, I feel like she made a decision like, you know what? I have to, I have to move forward in my life. I can't let these events change me to the point where I don't have a life where I am a secluded, you know, person and I don't have a family because she, I mean, I'm sure her dad's probably dead by then now. And I mean, he wasn't obviously a big character in her life, a big person in her life, you know, figure and the mom dead. So brother dead. So she actually doesn't have any family. Yeah. She actually doesn't even have any friends. I mean, we find out in this one, deputy Dewey, he was asked to leave the force probably because, you know, he got stabbed so many times and he probably has like PTSD. So he had to go. Gail Weathers, they broke up. I mean, you know, life imitating art, right? Or art art imitating life. Yeah. They broke up. It's got to be weird for them to be in these movies. Like, because I think I saw an interview where they said like the first one they met, the second one they were dating, the third one they were married, the fourth one they were divorced. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, it's got to be really weird to come back and be in these. They probably hold out for a really big payday. I think that that scene where they have kind of like, the, where they have their conversation in this film, it's, re- I got a little teary eyed because it's like a real conversation. Like it felt really real. Like it was not like, oh, I'm just reading lines off a script, which obviously they were. But I feel like the screenwriters kind of were like, this kind of happened to you like you guys you know there was distance you know one had pursue to to pursue their career and leave the other one couldn't adapt like i'm sure that those things especially being a hollywood couple like it's already tough i'm sure those things kind of took play but even in the words that they're saying you can feel like Man, and even in there, I don't know, I just, it was a really heartfelt thing, but that was the moment where I was like, do we gonna die? I knew he was gonna die because of the way their their departing conversation was just foreshadowing for, he did. Well, also, we also kind of might have had some inside knowledge on that one, thanks to a secret source that remained anonymous, that Dewey wasn't gonna make it through the movie. Since technically that source told you about it, I completely forgot in the movie. So why your ass is sitting there like, oh yeah, he's going to be dead. I'm like, with the rest of the audience, like, oh my goodness, is he going to live? Obviously, I knew after that monologue, I was like, no, done so. He's gone. And there you are just laughing it up next to me, like knew all along that he was going to die. That's some fucked up shit. Well, you know, it's just like anything else. Like, you know, when the guy says... Ah, this is my last shift on the police force. Dead. Today I'm going to retire to this shift, go home, and I'm going to raise my cats that I always wanted to. Dead. He's going to die. Oh. I'm going to start my life over and I'm going to open a yoga studio. Dead. Not going to make it. Ah, my sister's coming into town. I haven't seen her for 35 years. Dead. Anytime they announce some big life change, they're going to die. They're going to de- They're going to be dead. Yeah. So, you know, Sydney and Gail are now the legacy members that are alive. Dewey is Dunzo. And and it was and I'm gonna later on when there's a reveal of who killed him, I was like, man, that was a weak ass like 
I feel like, and this is going to sound really messed up. So I'm going to apologize beforehand. So I don't get <laughs> hate emails and you're going to ruin and cancel me. Okay. I'm just going to say, since this is a spoiler cast, as always, there's always two killers. You know, I thought they were going to ante it up and make it three fucking killers. That would have been interesting if there was like a whole ring of them. Yeah, where it's like maybe one person does the calls and the other two actually do. One person's really good at running and the other person's good at like they're they're like a, a budding medical student or they have fucking physiology like knowledge and they know where to like cut, you know, to murder someone with one fucking cut, you know, Jack the Ripper style. Maybe that's like the duo, but no, that's we didn't get a trio. It's a duo. One of them is a girl, and let me tell you, I've seen this girl, I watched the show uh, uh, Better Things or something, and she's a normal, you know, she's, I feel like she will, could not, I couldn't, okay, and I'm bigger than this girl. There's no way that I could have taken Dewey on. Even if I stabbed him in the fucking leg, I mean, he's not a 70-year-old man, you know, yeah. he's not massively overweight where it's like he can't even run anywhere and he's like gasping for breath. You know, yes, fine. He has his little limp, but his limp is not going to be like, oh, well, now this teenage girl can totally fucking gut me like a fish from the back and the front. Like, no, I, I felt like that was very unbelievable. And it may be a sexist thing for me to say, because maybe the teenage boy could have done it. I don't even know the teenage boy could have done it either. I'm not saying he could have done it. I'm just saying for teenage, whatever gender you are. She was very small, so. it For me, it's unbelievable for a teenager to have taken a grown-ass man who went to, like, police academy. This is, this is not, like, regular Joe Schmo, you know? This is, like, a guy, yes, fine, he's been out of the force, but he still went to police academy. He still lived and survived... You know, four, four of these fucking ghost faces, or five because it's or six, whatever, however many it is, because you do like two for every movie, right? Yeah. So, I mean, damn. Yeah, but he's okay, been, he's been stabbed, and he was stabbed and shot in the first one, stabbed multiple times in the second, the third, I think he got stabbed a few times as well. The fourth, I don't remember if anything. Dewey is always the one at the end of the movie that's in the stretcher. Yeah. The women are like sitting in the ambulance. <laughs> oh, my arm, you know. He's the one that literally has gotten like really fucking jacked up where he, they're rolling his ass away into the ambulance. That was like, he's, he, that was like, he's not, that was the other reason why I think he was going to make it. Because it was like, he's such an expendable character. Now you took away his purpose of him being the deputy now he's just a fucking weird guy living in the fucking woods, watching Gale on the fucking TV in the morning and, you know, drinking alcohol all the time. Like, he's useless. So kill him. You know, Gail at least got a job. Sydney has a family. Like, she got a, she obviously has a job. They have purpose. He has no purpose. Get him out. I thought they should have had him become more and more like like Dr. Loomis in these things, where he got more and more fucked up every time until eventually, like, he's burned and everything. <laughs> he's walking around, Damn. burned, holding an arm that he can't use. He'd just get more and more like Loomis, and everyone would be hilarious. Now, as it's said in the trailer, some of the characters are actually descendants from some of the legacy characters. And uh, Randy, Randy's sister, Martha, actually had two kids, twins, who's played by Jasmine Savoy Brown, which we named earlier, uh, is Mindy Meeks. 
And she has a twin brother named Chad Meeks, um, who's played by Mason Gooding. And Chad Meeks, uh, you know, they're they're twins, so they're obviously they're related to her. Then you have Ta- um, Sam Carpenter, which we said he's she's related to Skeet Urich. So Hicks, obviously Wes Hicks is related to Hicks, but that's kind of like not legacy. Well, I guess in a sense, kind of legacy-ish. Yeah, because they were in the last movie. So, so you know, it's like a way, and they just like in all of these films, and I feel like the writing was pretty. I mean, I know Kevin Williamson produced the film, co-produced the film, but I still got a sense of like Kevin Williamson in the writing. Yeah, in a sense, because the scene where. The Meeks twins are explain, or the actually Mindy Meeks is explaining, uh, the whole thing of the requel. Yeah, I thought was amazing. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, it's the whole explanation of it and like how the first movie connects to what's happening now. The whole thing, just like Randy would have, she took Randy's place. Um, the brother. He had his little tidbits here and there, but it was mostly Mindy who really drove that whole conversation about it. And that was actually one of my favorite parts in the film. And then any part where Billy Loomis was in. Yeah. I really enjoyed. It was actually very fun to see. There in the 80s, maybe a little bit in the 90s. I don't really remember that much 90s. I remember mostly 80s. There was a thing where the main character obviously usually a woman um she may or may not have some kind of psychological trauma or whatever where she sees you know shit or she knows stuff she's sensitive in a way you know in a way of like paranormal or she sees ghosts she there's always something going on with the girl and i like that connection in this one because i felt like it was a throwback you know, to those movies where the girl did have some kind of something going on. You know, you got the girl Friday the 13th series. Um, I mean, there's like the plethora and the initiation, you know, it's like they're either seeing something, they're going through something. So yeah. I like that, that they bought that back for the Sam Carpenter's character. Um, the little things of, you know, here and there kind of bring it back we're in the actual well i'm gonna say actual but we're back in the house the party house from the first movie yeah that's where all this shit hits the fan there's the whole scene where there's a character that's in the closet that's gagged just like the dad there's little things here and there i love that there's still landlines i love that too not too many people have those now so they don't because they're very expensive but it's actually very smart to still have a landline. Because guess what? That is not going to get as easily fucked up as if something should hit a tower or, or you know, the Wi-Fi. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just pick up the phone, the landline. That's fucking deep in the ground. You know, it's not like... It's not like in the horror movies where they open the fucking box and they cut the wires. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> Although I used to love that in the old movies where it was like, let's put a box outside the house that controls the phone, the electricity, everything. Like, who the hell thought that was a good idea? Let's put everything outside where you can do Anyone can just walk up and cut the power of the phone lines. Then be like, all right, then. Now we'll go inside and murder everyone. No problem. Then you're mad vulnerable. Yeah. 
I guess that was just like they had to do that, then go upstairs, get in their clawfoot tub that they all had that was like gigantic, that a seven foot tall man could get in and lay down. Like this fucking tub was like a shower, like a what do you call it, pool. Yeah. But yeah, everybody had to go do that back in the old days. They did keep with the fourth movie where there's a girl killer and a boy killer. Yeah. Um, you know, I I'm indifferent about the killers. I feel like and that's probably another throwback to the 80s because I know that was like a big thing with like horror movies were getting, you know, uh, going against, you know, they were going up with the government. The government was like, they were too violent. It's creating people. They're out here. Other people are pleading, you know, that it was the horror movies that did it, you know, all that BS that was happening at that time frame. So then to have that again with these two characters, you know, was our love, our fanaticism of the film, like of the stab series because it wasn't even about the original killings it was just about the stab movies you know which and then and then one of the characters is watching the stab movies throughout the movie yeah we never we only see that character watch like you had mentioned earlier the stab eight or whatever but we don't really see him but he mentions and says like he's watching the movies and then he's the killer and he was right. Dewey, he called it. That was the other reason why they probably had to take him out. Because he was like, he pinpointed, he was like, you could be the killer. You're probably the killer. And it was like, oh, damn, he was the killer. Yeah. Someone told Dewey in the grave, like, go to his grave. You were right. Sorry you did. Damn. But you're right. You were right. At least you got that much. Yeah. That's, that's all. <laughs> Validation. I feel like they kind of had him wait. I didn't like the way they killed him off, too, because where he, you know, the way it went down, they could have easily just let him go away, you know, and he, and to fight another day, because he could have walked away at a certain point, but he kept going back. He kept going back, which I felt was, but that was in his character, though, because, and then, and then in that whole monologue before, it was about him being, he didn't feel like he was courageous in their relationship, and she informs him that he actually is courageous then the next scene he's fighting Ghostface, and then he lets the people go so they could run off into the night and be fucking safe for a couple of more hours while he heads on Ghostface. so he was being courageous in that moment so it was like literally they just set it up like in all aspects they just set that up but i don't agree with the way he was killed i do like the way he was killed I was the person in the theater, okay, I'm going to say, there was like four people in the theater. No, it was like six people because we watched it like high, like mid-afternoon on Friday. I was the person, I was screaming. I was very vocal about things that were happening. I was crying. There was a lot of emotions going on. Um, I didn't know how to deal with what was going on, but I definitely screamed like a psycho. And then I cried like a psycho when Dewey died. I know I feel like this is just a Dewey cast. We should just have a whole (laughs) podcast on Dewey's death because I feel like we've talked about that over and over again. But I I can't get over it, guys. It's it's but he got but the reason why I like it is because I feel like they gut him like a fish, which is another obviously reference to the first film because yeah. I mean, the way that it's done, it's very fucking gruesome. And I feel like this is actually the gruesomest film. Am I? No, it's definitely the bloodiest of all of them. Yeah. There's very little blood in the first one. You mostly just see people stabbed and like the very brief scene of Drew Barrymore at the beginning. But even that got trimmed down as time went on. So, yeah, this is definitely the most, the bloodiest of the series. Where you see people stabbed through the hand, you see people cut more. Definitely, yeah, it's definitely the bloodiest. 
And I feel like there was actually more suspense in the whole house scene when it's down to the wire and we have the killers versus legacy characters, you know, versus whoever's left surviving in the house. Yeah. Um, Because I was like, these people are dead. Like, there's no way, like, they're going to live. Like, Gail and Sydney, bye. This is the last film. Uh, so, yeah, they did hold the tension. The screenwriters of this did... Uh, ready ready or not yeah ready or not um and they you know i felt like they kept in tune with the original series yeah and i i did like you know the flow of it was fine i didn't feel like i was in there for like 29 hours um the character developments they were they were there but they weren't like completely drawn out they really obviously focused a lot on the sam carpenter's character yeah. because i mean She's the reason why we're here. But I give the film three and a half knives. Yeah, I'll go along with that and say three and a half as well. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, the only thing I didn't really like about it was I kind of thought the killers, like I said, I wish they had been something else other than just a group of friends with them again. Yeah. I wish the fake out thing where they kept saying it was always, yeah, excuse me, where they were saying it's always someone you know turned out to be false. It's not someone you know. It was really just a random psycho that was doing it. I wish that would have been the case because that would have been a little bit more interesting. Instead of just another group of friends doing the same thing. Or like a character where they're, where they're sibling or, you know, a cousin. Someone in their family was murdered in the first film. And now, you know, they've been waiting like for the revenge to come back and like come after the character because they feel some kind of way about it. You know, maybe that would have been something. I don't know. I guess I wish I was a fly in the wall in that conversation when they were writing the screenplay yeah. on what direction they were going to take it in. But the direction they took it in is it's literally in connection to the other films. It's fine. It's I the same it. formula in a sense. Yeah. The Pretty- reasoning. I enjoy this film more than I enjoy part two and three. I motherfucking hate part two. I don't, I don't care about part two. And especially you killed Randy. I'm like, forget you. Part three, terrible. Like, the brother? Like, what? 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 Okay, I said we're not going to get into it. But we're going to get into it because I just need to throw this out there. Please let me know. Do you agree, fans, people of the world? Okay. The brother was a director in Hollywood, he was well known. He had obviously he must have had a good life. Why does he have such mom issues? Oh boo hoo, my mom left me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Like he had a fucking terrible life. Like he was living in a trailer and he worked at fucking seven eleven. Like now there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm saying like he had a nice life. Why is he so hung up on this whole like mom abandonment thing? And if he was, you have money, get therapy, dude. Like, really? You're going to blame that on Sydney? Like, she had not, nothing to do with her mom's sluttiness or whatever happened. Like, she has no control over that. She was just as innocent and a victim in that whole thing as you are. So get over it. And that's all I have to say about it. I didn't, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care about, I didn't care part three. It's one, four, and now scream, parentheses, five. Uh, those are my, those are my three out of the whole, out of all the films. Yeah, that's. I like two a little more than you did, but I'm still mad about Randy. So it gets knocked down a little bit on that. And part three was really, they literally came up and said, this is the return of the Jedi where you're going to find out about the lost sibling or whatever. They were trying to make me cute with that. And it just, 
it kind of fell flat for me. So so flat. But the fourth one I liked because it was all about people trying to be famous. Exactly, which the social commentary on that will stand for the, for God knows how many years, twenty years. That's yeah. all. That's going to be a thing because it because it is a thing, and they that's not going to go out of be, style. They didn't want to work. She's like, I don't want to work. I just want to be famous and get things bought for me and not have to do things. So exactly. I'm gonna stage all these murders and be a survivor just so I can do that. It's like, damn. Because that generation, that's exactly how they think. Like that's what the whole social media is for the youngins. Like. And not that I'm an eighty uh, year old woman, but that's it, the fifteen minutes of fame. Oh, you the, just aged ten years when you said that. I don't care. See me, see me, <laughs> see me. It's all about me. You know, whatever. All of that. Like, oh, that's why I love part four because it's like, yes, thank you, preach it, show that in the schools. Like, <laughs> stop. <laughs> that's why I. Really, and this one, you know the. There is, obviously, if you've been on Reddit or, you know, like you said, you know that person that's very intense about their, about the film that they love, you know, or series that they love. Maybe that person is sitting in this room right now. Who knows? I'm just saying, like, (laughs) but not to the point where I'm going to murder someone. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way to kill somebody just... So I can get, you know... I don't know. You almost beat up a kid over the wrong color Harry Potter thing one time. So I can, you know, it's only a short step to murder. Okay, first of all, <laughs> here we go. I don't appreciate that, and we are not going to discuss that. It's not a horror theme, and that will immediately be cut out. <laughs> cut this out from the edit. Okay, I never did that. Never. That never happened. I okay? said you almost beat up a child. I'd say you did. Maybe he shouldn't have been wearing those stupid purple color. That's not the color of Gryffindor. It's scarlet and gold. It's not fucking burgundy. Okay, I don't care what Alfonso Curon fucking said in the fucking third movie. The end. <laughs> and I, and I, that did or did not happen. That did not happen. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, actually, let's make a little announcement. We're actually going to be this weekend uh, at the Horrible Convention in Coco, Florida, in case you didn't know where we were at. If you're in the area or you're anywhere in Central Florida, please come out. We're going to have multiple uh, people there. Um, we're, we're doing panels. Yep. Uh, if you want to name some, some We're going to be hosting panels for uh, the members of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre cast. It's going to be uh, uh, John Dugan, Alan Danzinger, and William Vale. And we're also going to be doing ones with Mark Patton, Felissa Rose, uh, Brian Bremer, who you may remember from our Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. He's won that, along with Pumpkinhead and some others. We'll be doing some other panels as well, but those are the biggest ones that horror fans are going to be excited about, I think. We also have some a paranormal uh, um, yep. panel as well. We've got some paranormal panels that we're doing, and we're doing one with a character actor, and we'll be doing quite a few of them during the weekend. So we've got like three or four scheduled each day. Yeah, so come out, meet the peeps, you know, get some autographs, stay safe. You know, and uh, have fun. It's a fun, fun weekend. Hope to see you there. We'll post a link to it in our stuff this week. Thank you so much and stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.